So Holy Spirit, Spirit of the Living God, I'm so thankful that you are mindful, that we are human, we are stubborn, we are creatures of habit. There is a part of us that is so willing, but there is another part that is lazy as a dog lying by a fire. I pray that you would breathe life into the part of us that is willing. God, that we will not disqualify ourselves from experience all that you have promised because the lazy dog in us is keeping away, keeping us away from truly living in the fullness of a transformed life by your grace. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I want to remind you again as we have these, these courses that are coming up. It's so important because part of who we are at the Father's house is that we gather together like this to be with Jesus. Let me preface I, I promised myself I'm not even going to touch my notes because in the previous service I, I felt like I almost communicated because the Bible says you will find those among you that will be the rebuilders of what was broken down and sometimes when you've got to rebuild you've got to dismantle what has been placed with good intention but it's never part of what should have been and for us as people as you are sitting in the same seat again same place same people come on turn to the people next to you and go like man did you buy that seat you're always in it Falcos are right there that's just who we are the question that I constantly ask God is we are willing, but we ain't moving. God, how can you create in us not only willing hearts, but obedient steps? Because what we've got to understand, you know, um, church, I am a magnet for poison ivy. I'm a magnet. I don't even know what it looks like. Maybe that's the problem. We, we have a, a, a dermatologist in the church. It's now, I'm on the, now the second set of steroids. So if I'm a little bit off, it's him. Because my wife knows every year I pick up poison ivy two, three, four times. I, I don't know. I think, I think I sing the poison ivy song when I garden. And you know, I, I come from a country where we don't wear shirts just pants, no shoes. I'm probably the most naked man in my neighborhood. <laughs> they go like, oh, he's European. But I'm dressed in Africa. They only twice at me. I'm so burned. There's no sun protection. We've got, we got skin like elephants, you know. But when he prescribed the medication and I don't take it, it doesn't help for me to criticize the medication and the doctor. 
because in my inactivity to the solution it will not take care of the problem and I think one of the biggest challenges we have is when we know this transformation in Christ but when we don't gather with Jesus we don't grow to become like Jesus and we don't contribute to be part of the mission of Jesus inevitably I can tell you that your life will be filled with cynicism and as 22% of people after the pandemic did not return to church I believe many of them ask what difference did it make in my life and I want to say this that no person can take Dr. Dan cannot take responsibility for my inactivity to apply the solution that he has prescribed and as your pastor I want you to know that as I'm standing here one of the biggest things that I'm asking of God is that we will understand that in this season that we are living in people that God loves so deep but has such a disconnect with Christianity and religion are not looking for what you believe they are trying to see what your what difference the beliefs has made in you to make you more loving compassionate caring engaging where when they look at your life there is a peace it's not problem free but it doesn't sink you like Paul says I was knocked down but I was not destroyed I am disappointed I'm not disheartened I, I suffer loss but with hope that there is something in us and that's why we have been speaking for the last three years on our faith going from a cognitive belief to a picking up our cross daily and following our rabbi Jesus and living our faith experience into our ordinary lives so today as we look at the scripture in Isaiah and I want to keep this uh, love the moment I start preaching just do this for me okay and um, Bible says Jesus uh, God says to Israel forget what's happened uh, Paul says to Timothy forget what's behind L stretch forward to what lies ahead and I want you to know that as you study um, church history and God's activity in the Bible uh, you will see that God his love always intersects an ever-changing culture. God doesn't stay on the mountain and call the world to Him. God finds the world and breaks into that world in a dynamic way. And as you can see how culture has shifted over time, after the Second World War, people were, uh, they were broken and they need healing so much that we saw that there was a tremendous move of healing in churches because God showed up because the culture needed healing but as we are in this place right now I want you to know that as I stand here before you as 
as your pastor, I said to Paul back there, he's such a faithful man, been with, with me for so long. I said, Paul, you know, iPad came out in 2010. I looked at my message number, it's 578 that I'm preaching today. And not one of them are the same, by the way. Five. Now, yeah, don't applaud me, but just think about how rich Scripture is, 578 messages. And what I want to lean towards today is tell you that I believe that the thing that will defeat us is the muscle memory of how we think it should work or just repeating what we remember about the past. Have you ever meet, met someone um, that says, oh, if they will just listen to me, if they sing Amazing Grace in B flat, I'm telling you, in 1962, I was in this small church, and they played Amazing Grace, and in that moment, the presence of God came in. Why are we not singing Amazing Grace? You have nostalgia, and you think that Amazing Grace in B-flat is going to give you what you want. I'm going to tell you what's going to give you what you want when you stay in step with where God is. And God is a moving God. God's not a stagnant God. You say, how do I know? Israel camped. And the Bible says, when the clouds remained, they remained. But when the cloud moved, they moved with the cloud. Now, can you imagine a couple of million people having to set up home? And you go, Moses, how long are we going to stay here? Because my wife takes four years to make a house. You know what I mean? Can we just camp out, please, Moses? And the next moment, Moses shouts the next morning, the cloud's moving. And you go, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. No, if you don't move the cloud, you will not survive the desert. And as a church, I want you to know that if we don't move to where God is moving, and if we don't become what God wants to do to reach a lost world, church, and I want to emphatically tell you this, God loves the world. God loves people. Even the people that you look at and go like, oh, they're not, they're, they're beyond redemption. Never forget where God found you. Never ever. The moment we criticize and walk with a spiritual superiority, we have forgotten our own wretchedness as people without God's grace. So we've been learning something that the presence of God is what heals the world. From the beginning of time, God always sought a way for His presence to be among His people. That is why I want to encourage you to always remember what makes your home a home where the cloud of Christ abides is for your home to be a resting place of God's presence. Your life a temple of God's presence. If you, you say, God, do something in my world Invite His Holy Spirit because He said, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will give you my presence. And the last one is quite interesting. Is that the mission of God always requires God's people. Because the Bible says that through 
people like us gathering in churches, God will make his manifest wisdom known to the world. And that one scripture says, the, even the angels are envious that we get to partner with the mission of God. I've got to say this. I think what I've discovered about the life that we lived and the church that I'm pastoring and the church that I pastored when it was at its largest is can be so intoxicating that you chase the results and you are no living the abundance of what Christ wants for you. You know, as a young pastor came and they love to tour the building because they they know about the father's house and and all of this is God's doing by the way it's not our doing it's God's doing and he said to me hey how do I get to where you are right now now this is an exaggeration but this is what I said to him what if I tell you on my two hands I can tell you happy days where I didn't care burden where I was not um, where I was present, where I was living the fullness of life without feeling bent under the pressure. I can count 10 days and I'm in my 50s. Is that what you want? Really? And I want to say this, for many of us we are chasing something as our highest priority. What if I tell you when you get to it, it will be empty because God never made a pseudo something that will fill you with what only God can fill you with. Because coming from Africa, I can tell you when you go to the poorest villages where the hand-me-down clothes is in the seventh generation, there's always singing, always laughter, always happiness, always community. They eat simple food, but there is such a joy among the people. How many of you have experienced that you have saved for expensive vacation and everybody is miserable and on their phones? Come on now. Everybody's miserable. And you go like, why do we even do this? So today I want to talk to you about the return of God moving through three spaces in our world. The very first one I want to talk to you is this gathering called church. Church is not a building. Church is the living stones, the people. We are all living stones built together. And let me make this clear. We are not the only living stones. Down the block is another building with living stones. Down the block is another building with living stones. And I want you to know we are not in competition with any other place where there's living stones. We cheer them on. We don't go like, how do we beat them? What can we do different? Our job it's not to create a fanciful market of entertainment. Our job in this season is to invite the presence of the living God and gather the family to realize that when we become maintenance followers of Christ with historic faith, we become anemic in living faith. 
Now what's so interesting about this? It is a close circle, not a closed circle. Now I got all tied up with these words in the previous service. People were so confused. I'm confused. I'm like, let's just flip the slide. There is a divine, supernatural closeness that God invites us into. I want you to listen very carefully to me. Please. The divine closeness speaks about the unity. The Bible says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples when you have love, it's not hard, love for one another. Are, are any of you part of a family where you dread Thanksgiving? You dread the invite? You go like, what's the point? Everybody hates each other. But they call us family. And then you get those families. They make every Thursday Thanksgiving. They eat together. They laugh together. They're happy together. They're close together. I want you to know that God's invite to being part of a spiritual family like this, first of all, is the invite to be a close family. But if you close yourself up, then you will never experience the closeness of the family because nobody is going to break through a stone wall. So many people say, the church is too big. Um, um, I've, I'm all alone. Can I say this to you? That is not true. You can go to small church and you still say the same thing. Because if you don't invite yourself to be known, you will not be known. And closeness means that you've got to be planted somewhere to get used to people somewhere. Introvert, extrovert, Outrovert, introvert, whatever vert you are. The, the, the muscle memory for most people is the moment church is done, I dart to my car and I'm out of here. I want you to know when you do that, you are saying no to the most significant thing that God desires for you to know and be known intimately because Scripture calls us family. Come on, high five your friend and say, we're family. We're stuck. We're stuck together. We are family. But there is a second thing I want to say about this next circle. It's not a closed circle of exclusion. When historically the church became obsessed with its perceived power. You know when a church almost carries itself as a moral bank of power and if you're not part of the church and out and we are in and we are right and you are wrong and the exclusion and inclusion become something that most people don't say but they radiate it have you ever been in a place or a gathering where you walk among the people you know why did they even invite me everybody here hates me and I'm not even a clairvoyant. I'm not even an empath. I go like, why did they invite me? Nobody likes me here. People can feel 
when they're with us, whether we are inclusive. And I can tell you this one thing. The thing I love about the Father's house where people stop me, they say, I've never been loved this hard by this group of people. Because listen what Jesus said. He says, don't bicker among yourselves over me. You're not in charge over here. Come on, shout, you're not in charge. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you're not in charge. You're not, I'm not in charge. Because the host of this gathering is Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is in charge. It's not we get to vote who comes and who does not come. We don't have meetings about who belongs and don't belong. We don't have disqualifying conversations about who is and who is not. Because Jesus says, the Father who sent me is in charge and he draws people to me. That's the only way you will ever come. And what if I tell you that everybody that is here today is not here because you chose. It's because God is already at work in you to be here. So if you're sitting here and you go like, I hate church and my girlfriend dragged me in here. Good for your girlfriend. Dragged me in here. Can I tell you? It's the activity of God in your life that's at work already on the inside of us. Who are we to now say, God, you're picking the wrong people. I don't believe in their lifestyle. I don't believe in their choices. I don't believe in this. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in their, their culture. I don't, no, 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 you're not in charge. Neither am I in charge. This is the house where God and Jesus is the head of this house and he calls us his bride. Now, the second one, the close circle, the Bible says there's a couple of things that happens in this close circle. That the presence of God is at its most tangible when we come together as the family. Where the family gathers, the Father speaks. And that's not me. God is here. That's why I can emphatically say to you, those of you who are at home, I know many of you, uh, are there for health reasons and things like that? I understand it. But if it's a comfort thing, I want you to know that this morning's worship could only be experienced truly, tangibly, by being with a family of God. By being present with a family of God. By showing up with a family of God. The other thing that the Bible says about us he says, here we get to spur each other on. Now the word spur means, oh, I love this. Spurring means to encourage, to motivate, or to stimulate someone to take action. In other words, God says, Father's house family. Do you know that there's some people here that will not move unless you spur them on? Uh, pastor appears too far away from them. He can only give them a palate for what can be. But you have proximity to them. But let me tell you something. When we see ourselves as the most needy person all the time, we wait for others to spur us on. When last have you said, God, use me to spur people on that every step they take they're gonna thank me later 
I'm going to be part of this. He says, to spur them on to do what? To make progress. Father's house, beautiful family. When we look at our spiritual walk with Jesus, if it's stagnant and it's historic and we have more doubts and cynicism than what we have faith, is because we have stopped stepping forward in growing and spurring each other on. Because the Bible says, it implies, uh, not the Bible, um, Chad GPT, it implies providing support, inspire, or to push someone who may be hesitant and to provide motivation. Let me say this. I believe with all my heart, you know, um, from people who are attending church, only was it 29%. 22% of people that attend church regularly read scripture. Think about it. This is not to bring shame. Just take it on personally. And here we have an opportunity to grow, to learn how to engage scripture. Now, immediately when there is an opportunity to grow, if we filter it, through what we value most and what we have time for. Whatever you love, you 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 have time for. And can I tell you something? What you're going to need in the future is not the thing you love in the present. Because the only thing that will sustain us, Bible says, Jesus says, man cannot live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And if there's spiritual anemia, it's because you're not engaging what feeds you. David says this, I will hide your word in my heart so sin cannot come in. And if you defeat it with temptation, I want you to know you're not a weak Christian. You're probably disconnected from what pushes sin out. That's why Pavel says, spur each other on. So today, I want to encourage you to take action. He says, spur each other on for growth, spur each other on for good works, spur each other on to love lavishly. I, I want you to, when you walk to your car today, I want you to stand at a car that you don't know and just wait. <laughs> and go like, have you signed up? Have you signed up? If you haven't signed up, I'm going to be the reason why you're going to grow. I'm going to be here to spur you on. Hey, my name is Pierre, and my email is heaven.com. Right there. Just, I'm going to be a reason why you love Jesus and why you are growing in your faith. Let me tell you something else. There is a second place that I think it is the hardest one to engage. But if I go back to the previous one, and I've got seven minutes, so hold on. Do you know that pre-pandemic, most people attended church 1.7 times a month? Some people attend once a month and they feel it's enough. I can tell you that it's not about the discipline, it's a sign of your love for the body of Christ and for the head of the church, Jesus. I promise you that I cannot make you. I don't want, I, I don't want to work with guilt, but I want to say this. He's not done with you yet. There's so much more to your story. You hear me? There's so much more to your story. You can sing it. And if there's no movement, you are singing daydreams. 
Because Jesus says, come to me and I will come to you. Take a step, I'll take a step towards you. Because it is in action, in seek first the kingdom of God as the highest priority of your life, where you will see the kingdom promises manifest in a way in your life. Now, now the second one is your home. Come on, shout my home. Uh, can you see it's got a dotted line? A perforated line, which means you can invite neighbors and friends into your home that will probably not come to this gathering. And if we think God only works in this gathering, then we forget the point that God wants to take what He plants in this gathering, the gift that He's given all of us to build each other up, and He wants to take it into your home, where you are inviting people into your home not to sit and fight theology, doctrine, Christian nationalism, politics. But you will discover next week as we talk about the table of the Lord, that the table of the Lord's not just the communion cup that happens for three minutes over here. It's got so much more and we're going to see how this gets practiced in all three areas. Can I tell you something? Promise you're not going to judge me. Oh, come on. I ain't telling, I'm telling you, Jack, nothing. Come on, promise you will not judge me. If you judge me, I don't care. I actually do. But God's listening. You know, I had a Thursday night at 9 o'clock. I had a home gathering where I invited a whole bunch of guys. I think there were 15 of us. And we love paying poker for no money. And eating a lot of pizza and wings. What is so interesting about this? There was so much chaos every time we play a hand. Because if you don't play poker for money, there's no risk to lose. Every time we win, we've got to redistribute all the chips again. But it wasn't about that because about an hour into this, the conversation centered around faith, life. And when we are in our home, we are the hosts that facilitates and are attentive to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in that moment. And I can tell you the conversation went till late. We spoke about God, faith, and family. And I can tell you when we walked away from it, my wife says, your eyes are shining. You look so happy. I go like, it was the stinking best night yet. I haven't won nothing, sweet. I just, it's pizza, love, and conversation. You, you see, when you invite people into the home, one thing that is very important is that the presence of God is honored in the home. Heaven is my home. The earth is my footstool. God says, where is this house? Where can my resting place be? If you begin to realize that God is as desirous, desiring, there's no word desirous. God is desiring to be overflowing in His presence here in the 
the worship team is doing such a fantastic job inviting me in. But do you understand that God wants to be as present in your home? When last, let me not say this, how about tonight you just walk through the house and say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood every room and fill the atmosphere. God in my kid's life, your glory, God, is what our heart longs for. In our bedroom, to be overwhelmed by your presence, Lord. Sing with me, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood my house and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what we long for. To be overwhelmed by your presence, Lord. Because you see, when people come into your house, there is a tangible fragrance of peace, of lavish love. And in that place, what is scratching like that? In that place, we are attentive to people's needs and moments of intersection and we are not the miracle workers we just invite God's presence into it but now let me get to the last one guys I'm so sorry I'm scratching it's not you it's me then there's a half circle and that's the world that God loves and he says don't you know that you are the light of the world a city on the hill cannot be hidden bring out the multicolors of God where you work for you are the light and you are the salt but when we think about salt I've seen too many people think my job's to fight the rot and they stand there turn or burn you're going to hell can I tell you what salt does it makes food taste better and it makes you thirsty and when we live a life of Christ abundance we cause people to be hungry for what we are eating from and to be thirsty of the living water that we drink but let me tell you something if you and I thank you Josh if you and I understand that if we only believe that our church house or our church and church experience should be separated from our home and from our community do you know what happens when this happened then there's no closeness and it becomes a closed community with a tribal language. You know what a tribal language is? You walk through the door and they go like, oh, I'm happy, I'm anointed, I'm blessed, I'm filled. The fire hit me this week and then the dove came over and the rain just poured out on me. And you go like, what are you even saying? Because now it is us and them. Can I tell you something? There is no us and them. God loves the whole thing. You know, Bible says, and he shall reign forever and ever and ever. The only privilege we have is we are experiencing early what the world is going to experience when every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. The world is not our enemy. The world is sheep that are lost that God loves dearly so this gathering can never be separated from our home because the moment it's separated from our home it's separated from our friends neighborhood and family in the moment we are only here we create a 
castle. We're not part of God's kingdom. There's a second thing, and I'm really done. It's when we believe, it's Jesus and me. Many people gather, just Jesus and me. And, and when people gather, it's just Jesus and me, and I don't need anybody else. The Bible says, how can the eye say, I don't need the finger? And how can the finger say, I don't need the toe? He says, actually, this is a beautiful scripture. He says, whoever pulls away from others to focus solely on his own desire, disregard any sense of sound judgment to the eternal. If you seek and say, hey, I, I don't need other people. And you know what I have found? Sometimes there's really good reasons why people are skeptical of this and skeptical of that. But now these people become their enemies and these people become the object of their criticism. And I can tell you this, there's no perfect world, there's no perfect church, and there's no perfect your house. Life is messy, and God loves a messy world. And I want to say this to you, if it's just you flipping through TV channels and listening to who you want to preach, who's going to spur you on to great things? What is the gift that God has given you to build up the body? Where are you building up other people? And who's going to carry you when you're limping? Who's going to be there to speak wisdom to you when you have blind spots of confusion? Who's going to tell you that your revelation is actually a heresy? It is not a revelation. It's deception. You can't just read something and say, oh, the Lord showed me. Really? Please come tell me what the Lord showed you. Because there are centuries of theologians and people. And we've got to submit it to God and make sure that we don't come up. That's where cults starts. Turn to your neighbor and say, we need each other. And God wants to touch the world. So let me close this off. You see, I believe, he says, only as you accept your part of that body. What's that body? People like you and me gathering in churches, breaking bread and having community and homes and walking into a world as a friend and a guest and seeking where God is working and joining his mission. Only then will we realize that the church cannot be insulated, isolated, inflated. But the church, the presence of God, seeks to be here, flowing into your home and your neighborhood, and touches the world where you work, where you play. You and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to end with this. He says, Christ in you is the hope of heaven. Ooh, come on now. <laughs> Do you know? Heaven is putting bets on you that you will hear the invite that Christ in you can change the world around us. Christ in us 
All the living stones, if we live out our testimony right, can bring unity and healing to our nation and our world. Christ in us can lavishly love those who's already been put in concentration camps of rejection. Christ in you could be the first hug that someone's going to get that has been lonely and isolated. But you've got to believe He's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. Come on. There's got to be more, more to your story, more to my story. He's not done with us yet. Listen, I don't care how old you are, but He's not done with you yet. I don't care how much you have sinned and struggled, but He's not done with you yet. Because there's so much more to your story. You hear me? There's so much more to our story. <laughs> there's so much more to your story. <laughs> oh, there's so much more to your label. There's so much more to your beliefs over yourself. There's so much more to what people think of you. There's so much more to what you dream and desire. There's so much more. There's so much more. He's not done because His faithful love over you will never cease. His mercies will not come to an end. He has a jealous love over you and Christ in us. That's heaven's hope. So the question is, are we going to shout hallelujah? Or are we going to take a step? That hallelujah is shallow. You've got to face the part that's in all of us. That's as lazy as a dog lying by the fire. And my prayer is, God, give me a willing heart. That's what I want to say. The most insignificant small step could be the largest step that will change the trajectory of your story forever. Because he is not done. He's not done. But Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Rich man says, no, yeah, no, no, no. I've got too much on the game. No, no. Listen, if the rich man only knows that if he followed, he could have written a book in the Bible. But we never hear of him again. So today, God, I pray. Give us a dream that surpasses the things we chase. I pray where we have historic faith that we will not shape that as the ultimate experience. God, I pray that those who have known you for a long time, like Paul says, that I may know you in a more deep and intimate way. And those who are just treading water and hoping for magic, pixie dust, something to happen in one split second. May they understand that it's in the following of you that we understand our story and our healing and our significant part. And we become part of the story of heaven. So I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the love of God, our Father, 
be with us all. I pray that the impression of this word will be on you and that you would silence the lazy dog and awaken the one whose story is yet to be written. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Oh, may the Lord shine his countenance of awakening in you, awakening in me. May God give us the courage to open our lives to other people. May he fill this house with his presence, your home with his presence. And may his glory and his presence rolls like rivers of healing into our community and our world. Oh, may he bring justice, reconciliation, peace. Be blessed, church. Be blessed. Next weekend, I invite you. Because we're going to set our three tables and talk about the table of the Lord and how the significance of that and the message of reconciliation every time we're around it. May God bless you. Sign up. I will see you on Tuesday night. God bless you all.